You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. We've got the kiln fired up. We've got the furnace prepped. We're about to unsheath the laser fire of Torah. Yes, Rizcha de Raisa is coming your way. But first, if you own a retail business and accept credit cards, your customers are getting points, miles, and all sorts of rewards every time they use their card. And you're paying the price. That's why NRS Pay, a product of National Retail Solutions, a division of the IDT Corporation, offers its cash discount program, FeeBuster. You can start accepting credit cards for free. If your business processes over $18,000 a month, you pay no monthly fee and zero dollars out of your pocket for transaction. This means you as a retailer can enjoy the benefits of accepting plastic and your customers still get those crucial miles they crave and need. NRS Pay Fee Buster provides every client with a free credit card reader with no long-term contract, no early termination fee, cancel anytime without a penalty. I'm personally familiar with this company and they truly stand by their product and they'll help you with live stateside-based customer service on any issue or question. Visit nrspay.com or call 833-289-2767 to learn more about NRS Pay and the fantastically fair fee buster. If it's Arab Shabbos Kodesh, this must be Yes, it's Arab Shabbos oh, It's not always Arab Shabbos Kodesh, so... <laughs> You want to do a different tagline? We got to have some tagline, right? Well, if yeah. it's something. Yeah, why don't we just start and say, this is it, the night of nights. No more rehearsing, no more little fights. I know, our multi consignment used to go out on Fridays. It doesn't go on Fridays anymore. No, I was singing there the the, the Bugs Bunny and, and Daffy Duck when they used to do their cartoon specials. On with the show, this is it. It's not Ed Calvary or something? Look, I definitely want to be Bugs. I don't know if you want to be Daffy, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure who would be closer to, to Bugs or Daffy. I think I'm more Bugs than Daffy, you got to admit. So let, let's talk about what's up. Uh, what's up, unfortunately, was up. A missile was up, shot from the Rishoyim in Russia into a, an apartment building, nine-story apartment building, and it landed 134 miles south of Kiev, in the city, of course, that every single Jewish person probably listening to this podcast knows, the city of Uman. The Russians say that they accomplished their, all their strategic tasks. Now, it's clear that a nine-story apartment building with a long-range missile uh, being destroying it and, and killing 20 people, including a number of children, a person next door dying from a heart attack, there's obviously no cache of of, of, of Ukrainian fighters there. This was another in a, in a long series of terrible Russian acts that are just meant to intimidate and to destroy the spirit of the people of Ukraine. And I think the only reason you knew about it because you saw it in Vus's eyes. Well, actually, it's the original Times of Israel, which has an interesting picture of two guys from Hatzala in, uh, in Uman helping out. One looks Hasidic, one looks Hasidish, and the other is looks Sparty. It's a, an incredible thing that Hatzola is there, and we all know whether it's in the hurricanes, Hurricane Sandy's, or in Typhoon 
buffoons across the world. Jews are out there, whether they're the Israeli government sent or sent by Hatzalah, they're out there helping, digging through. And- oh, I'm sure they were there from the beginning. No, I'm sure they're local. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying they're not. My point is, is that they are always there, no matter what. We have no indicator that this building housed a, a, a Jewish population. The Jewish ambulance services are out there helping people indiscriminately, and that happens throughout the world. And, and that's, of course, a great Kiddush Hashem. The state of Israel continues that in terms of the, the, the members of Zaka that they send. So Baruch Hashem, let's applaud that. Unfortunately, let's also bemoan and condemn what's what this villainous state is doing in targeting civilians indiscriminately. Well, without any- ask, yes, but let me ask you, first of all, the, the Israeli ambassador somewhere, I guess Ukraine, protested uh, that the Russians uh, targeted Uman, which is a holy city for the Jews. So uh, the question is, did the Russians deliberately attack Uman as uh, a shtach to us? And I don't know what the percentage of population of Jews are there. We know the Jews are always going to visit there, to visit the kever of the great Sadiq of Nachman of And it's possible that the Israeli connection there means something. I know the Israelis have been walking a tightrope here in terms of their moral support for Ukraine, but also not trying to uh, sever ties with the Russians in terms of how the Russians help them vis-a-vis Iran. So I, I can't tell you that. I, I do think, however, that it, it sort of like gets us to think today about the Jewish presence in Oman and why the Jewish presence is important. Right. I mean, our opposition. I mentioned Nachman. I think both of us have been on record in the past six seasons. Of course, now we're in our seventh season about how we believe the pilgrimage, the pilgrimages to Oman and the immense amount of money that's been spent in, in terms of refurbishing the the OL and the various buildings there, it does seem a little bit wrong-minded, despite everyone who has come back and who has told me about how inspired they were and how exciting it was, how it changed their lives. It seems like it's become a, regular, a major pilgrimage site year-round, not just Rosh Hashanah. Right. Now, again, Rav Nossin, who I love Rav Nossin, Nachman's Talmud, and he was the one who began this idea of getting going to Rosh Hashanah to the Rebbe, uh, and the whole idea of the Taita really started with him. But it's really strange because we say, you know, especially the popular song Nachman Nach Nach Nachman Meuman, based on the petek that was found. I mean, he was only in Uman for for a couple of months. He came to Uman uh, because he was. He could, not to die, they thought maybe they would be able to help him there. I thought that they came to Uman because since the, in the Chalmanitsky killed so many people there during his massacre, this is what I remember, man. Could be no, no, that is, that's after the fact. After the fact, they say that's why he came there. He came there originally because as much as Rav Nachman hated Ascola, he had connections to them. He was, all, he was visiting doctors and his family, of course, one of his children died of tuberculosis. He caught the tuberculosis. And at that time, of course, they did not know enough about in, in, in the medical field to cure this disease. But they thought there's maybe somehow uh, he could be helped. So he went to Uman really for medical reasons. I think post facto, the wrestlers will say that he went there knowing he was going to die. And somehow his death would be in the same place where it was the center of the Chalmanicki massacres. There's, there's nothing in writing from Rav Nachman 
about this. And there's hardly anything actually in writing from Nachman anyway. But, you know, we assume, and I, I'll, I'll believe that Rav Nussin got at least the essence of the Torah from his Rebbe. He definitely was a very uh, capable and beautiful writer and, 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 and writing in a cryptic and yet a style that caught people's interests and, 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 and they were fascinated by. But Rav Nachman left nothing about, you know, let, let me die in Uman and come to Uman. Perhaps he said those things, I don't know. It, it would seem to me that this idea of coming to Nachman's grave and coming to Uman, I don't know how much it spurred real Isamkus in the ideas of, of Breslov, other than a superficial one. We know that there was some controversy even in his lifetime. He was a young upstart. Uh, the elder uh, Rebis, uh, many of them felt that he his, his derech was wrong, and uh, people were uh, they felt his his, his charismatic style. Uh, yeah, well, was, though, by the Shpola Zeta had the tremendous machlekas with him, right? Nobody's... Right, and the Shpola Zeta felt that he uh, was very was coming very very close uh, to the types of behavior uh, that the Vilna Gaon and others were wary of a type of cult of personality, and also rejection, as Rav Nachman clearly did. Um, you know, he rejected many of the generations. He was a great-grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, but you know, he didn't care much about uh, what was considered the Hasidic power structure at his time. You know, the, the Talmudim and the Magid and others didn't carry much weight with him. Uh, so as, 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 as unique as he was, and as Rav Nelson has, has provided to the world, his ideas. I think what has occurred is a a cult of superficiality that around Breslov. I, I think that many, perhaps well-meaning Breslov have helped promote this sort of uh, weird sort of way of being a chassid that allows you to be sort of wild and, and unfettered and, and to justify things. I mean, even to the point that and I've been in uh, Rosh Hashanah, I've been in Yom Kippur davenings and Sephardi uh, shuls, and I hear you know when you know of course one of the things that is said during the slichot is schutu, and they talk about bischut Meir, and then you hear someone in the back screen bischut Nachman and I've heard it often. Uh, you know, so there, there, there is this, and and, and I would go over. To this person and say, okay, well, do you know anything about wrestling? Are you ready? Oh, yeah, let's learn Lakute Mairan. I said, okay. So I'll tell you what, we're going to learn Lakute Mairan after Yom Kippur. Of course, the guy didn't show up. All right. So the point is, I think there is this willingness to jump in to the, this cult, which is, at this point, you know, over 200 years old. And and I think especially since the Petik was found and you have that whole, you know, splinter branch of Breslev, what, what you have, I, I believe, is um, a type of Hasidus light and a Hasidus vild that doesn't necessarily integrate too well with, with the rest of the Hasidus vild. There are many Balei Tshuva that probably would never have become from had they not had this hippie type of Hasidus to latch onto. But you know, I, I, you know, I sort of sort of think that when I learn Lakute Mehran, and and I do, I mean, I I carry my little Lakute Mehran with me everywhere. Uh, when I went into uh, the, the two major operations uh, that I had uh, in my lifetime, 
both of them I had with me, the Lakuta Mara, not just in my pocket, I was actually learning it as the anesthesia was taking hold. So I am a, a believer in the Kedusha of this man and the greatness of this man. I just believe that, you know, the the whenever you have something that has such mass, such hordes of, of persons, and it, it, it comes out in such a strange way, like jumping on people's cars and, you know, spray painting things, um, you know, it, it really, like, what is that? I, it, it's, it's clear to me uh, that Rav Nachman loves in a way, people who try to be dubbed to the Rabbani Shalom. But I think in his uh, tremendous Heichel and Gan Eden, he probably is not approving of everything that's being done in his name. What do you think? What would the, what would the Alter Rebbe say about Lubavitch today? Well, you see, there's a big difference, of course, which is the fact that there has been these other, you know, uh, superstars that have arisen since him, and they are, are in a way able to trace a evolution, pardon the term, through the very personalities of the various Rebbes. And of course, their, their stories are documented and their tire is documented. I mean, taking the Mittler out of the equation, uh, I mean, you have the Tzanach Tzedek, who I think stands as, you know, a case can be made. He was Godel Ador in many ways in terms of Psak. His, his truvas are, are, are incredible. The brilliance, the hekif, the shlita in almost every area of Jewish thinking is incredible. And we can find that uh, in that way. With, with Breslov, you know, we have Rav Nossin, and then you have various, again, Breslov teachers that have arisen. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not aware of the complete tree, but I think it's a, uh, and, and I think that's really uh, mushroomed into the Uman phenomenon. I think well, last time as well, Breslov, we mentioned that there's this certainly a normative, normal Breslov, uh, you know, with, of which the Cheshen brothers who were famous and the Mir Yeshiva were part of. Of course, they were they were with me in the Mir, and their father, of course, was an incredible Breslov of Chassid. So, uh, you know, I, I think I, I've only died in the Breslov in Muncie once or twice. It seemed quite, quite normal. So I think it's, a, the, the, yes, the fact that they have a dead Rebbe, Leads to uh, and Lubavitch the same thing leads to the capacity to have leads to the possibility of having extreme cults and, and and ridiculous cults because there's nobody to stop it. This is true. Um, I don't. I think that the probably the core in both movements remains uh, more normative and cl- more closely um, viewing to traditional uh, Hasidic, obviously different Hasidic perspectives. Look, in, in, in a period of, of of discord, in a period where uh, you know, emotions flare and, and, and there's so much out there that seems to want to sway us and change us, being able to hold on uh, to something and believe it authentic and be able to dress the part and, and especially, as both of us know, because we don't have it, the strength in numbers is a very uh, strong rationale to want to throw your ra- ra- your rational brain to the wind and say, I want to join them. Because even though many of their tenants don't necessarily pass muster on my intellectual scale, but I've got friends, I've got people, and I have people that, that, that actually commiserate with me and feel a bond. And I think that's part of what Lubavitch has, of course, and I think that's part of what Breslov has. But again, it, to, it would be hard for me to really say 
completely that there isn't a cultish aspect to it. I think I think there is. And you're, you're saying can you say in its entirety, or there is a certain because I don't think that I think there's main. The, the, I, I wonder the main issue because you know go to Uman constantly. Um, I know during the I think when before the Iron Curtain fell was they held was they needed to go once in one's lifetime, if I recall correctly. Maybe now they do want to go over Rosh Hashanah, but I would hesitate to use on a mainstream wrestler the, the term cultist. Rav Nachman, in many ways, speaks to people across the spectrum. There's something about if you know about if you if you learn uh, some of the other standard Sidushasorim. Although the Sfasem is, is probably the exception because he's, he, you know, he's the, the Yeshima Velt loves him and et cetera. Um, there's almost a, a feeling that you know, you're learning the tenets of your tradition, of, of your family, of, of, of your Eltzeva. Breslov does have, because of its sort of really uh, labyrinthic like logic and statements that are, are, you don't have, Parallel statements in other Siddish Asarim, it can actually be embraced and loved by someone who isn't a chassid by any by any definition of the word. And 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 I think Breslov, you're right. There are the Breslov shuls and Breslov chassidim, but there's also Breslovers everywhere who aren't part of the major Breslov. But Rav Nachman speaks to them. There's something about whether it's in the Tikkun Kloli, whether it's in the Sichos, whether it's in the Maimar, or, or in Lakute Maran, or in the Sipurim. There is something there that somehow enraptures and you can lose yourself in and really find, uh, really like, I think it's shown that. And therefore, you know, Rav Nachman should be the Nechkes of Klal Yisrael. And I think the, you know, the, the, the Wildkeit that surrounds this cult um, the cult aspect of it, I think, tarnishes what Rav Nachman is about. You know, you know, we, we talk about you know figures who become who stay great after their death, and there doesn't seem to be someone who arises to fill the void. You mentioned the last Lubavitcher Rebbe, and of course, Rav Nachman. Let me throw another thing at you, As much as Rabbi Yitzchak Yosef is, you know, quite, you almost can can't tell the difference sometimes between the two when you see pictures of them from various periods. Uh, Yosef looks very different than his dad. But sometimes when, you, when I see pictures of Rabbi Yitzchuk, I said, who is that? Is that Kalkal Mavadi or is that his son? And, and, and has anyone done a better job um, repackaging his dad and living off of the power of his father than Rabbi Yitzchuk Yosef? I, I don't think anyone, in, it's almost like un... Like, I can't think of another parallel. Maybe, can you? All the science of the Babasali, et cetera. Wait, I happen to be someone who goes to Rabbi David Baba Chatzera, and um, he isn't... Saying, okay, he, let me say not, it's not all of them, some of them. Okay, well... There's a guy, guy, guy who was just, uh, you know, had to pay millions of dollars in, in back taxes in Israel. And, um, okay, Rabbi Mayer. I don't know which one. I don't know which one. I can look it up. But in any event, there are especially Mekubalim, who spread the quote-unquote Mekubalim of today. Many of them are on the short tails of their fathers. You can look, when I get the community connections in Muncie, it says, Beno Shel Harav, so-and-so, I'm Mekubal, I'm a force-up, is coming to Muncie, and, you know, he's going to be Mekubal people at XYZ time. So, All right, I, I think you 
No, you're not catching exactly what I'm saying because here is Chacham Avadia, who was you know, uh, obviously the, one of the most prolific writers, uh, uh, Jewish writers in the 20th century. Obviously, a Torah writer. You in your blog spot of 2014 did such a, a wonderful job giving a concise taste of who Chacham Avadia was. But his son, you know, the Alkut Yosef, is now found in every uh, in, in every Sfardish home. And if one learns the Yalka Yosef, one sees that it, you basically get sometimes uh, whole verbatim paragraphs straight from the Torah of his father, however, refashioned in a way that's more easily accessible. You know, again, his, his son, Reb David, who Chocham Avadya knew was his intellectual superior and helped Chocham Avadya with that essay that you talked about in your blog spot, Yechav Adas, that was from um, David Yosef was his helper and editor of all those volumes, which were reworked from the radio program that Chacham Avadia, uh would answer questions from. You know, sort of like the amazing Kreskin. I wasn't on the spot. Well, the questions. Yeah, but 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 the way he answered them was quite incredible. You know, it, it wasn't. You know, he, he, it's not like he was reading. It's not like Joe Biden. Reading from the teleprompter, yeah, I mean, all right? This the, was, it was prepared ahead of time. This was had to be. Uh, still incredible. But anyway, the point was, is that together with his son, Reb David, uh, they worked out this Sefer Yechav which for many people is much more of an accessible work than the Abi Oymer. Unbelievable work. Yeah. The Abi Oymer, which did win the Israel Prize. Yechav is far superior. For you, I happen to be more impressed by the Abiyah. For, 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 for Amisro, because it teaches you, uh, teaches. I'm not saying that Abiyah is not more scholarly. Fine, of course, it's much more scholarly. But the point is, the Yechavadas introduces methodology of Sak and fo- follows the halachic process. You can find that you can find it in the look. He'll he'll have plenty of asides in Abiyah. Hmm? You too often get lost in the forest. Yeah, okay, which is the way a Pesach works and the way, no, as we know. No, and it's not the way a Pesach works. A Pesach doesn't get lost in the forest. But I was able to help cop in millions and millions of Marmachimus. You and I are not. So therefore, Yechavadas is a much more accessible way of accessing the process of Pesach and understanding. I, I, yeah, look, to prepare a shear, I agree with you. Uh, you need the Yechavadas is a better place to prepare your shrewish night shear from. But the, the, the why the is that? Because it's a better way of accessing that logic pro- process. The, the safer that that knocked Rebel Yoshev's socks off. And you can of take course, was the Abi Oimer where he, Rebel Yoshev, who was Shreyut Al Kolatay Rakula, was Nispoil, and what this younger Rav was able to do. But anyway, here's my point. Rabbi Yitzhak Yosef deserves all the accolades. I'm, I'm very happy. Whatever missteps he's had politically, uh, that he, uh, you know, but it's clear that his father's shadow remains after his death, not just by Paiskim and Rabbonim of Palisades uh, Shul like you, uh, but by everyone. There's a, a sense of the, 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 not just because he helped uh, create Shas and vivify Sephardi life and make them feel that they were a people. It, it got to a point that he really, and, and still even after his death, uh, became sort of like a getchka. And again, you you can see, uh, along with big pictures of the Babasali, pictures of Chokham everywhere. 
Now, Chacham Avadia definitely had a yad in Kabbalah, and you can see he throws it around. Um, but you know, it, it, I think it's quite interesting. I think you know his almost every sidur, other than the the Tunisian ones and some of the Moroccan ones, almost every sidur that's printed for, for the Dat Mizrach is somehow connected to the Psalkim Anayros of Chacham Avadia and the Machzorim and the Sidurim, and and even the even though it's been quite a number of years, almost 10 years since his death, when I see some of the Torah journals that come out from the Sephardi Yeshivas, I still see that almost as a primary source is Chacham Avadi's Pesachim. Whether it's from Chazayin Avadya, whether it's from Abi Chazayim, you know, he's safer, safer on the Ben Ishchai, or his, his, uh, the, the uh, aforementioned Yabi Amir Chabadas. It's almost like you need to reckon with him, and, and there's almost no movement unless uh, you you either explain him or deal with him. And I don't know. I, I find it a little bit, you know, sort of counterintuitive of what the way Torah should be. Are you saying that you're critiquing right now Rav Yitzhak Yosef and the way he rides on the short tails of his father with the exclusion of all the Paiskim? Are you critiquing the the Hamoin Am that only that looks to Rabbi Avadi Yosef Achar Moisoy as still this great manik out of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Okay, so, so all right, so which one are you critiquing? Both. I'm, okay, so I, I I didn't really want to say I was critiquing Rabbi Yosef, but you I, said, you know what? Yeah, you did. But I'll, just reiterate it. You said, yeah, it. okay, yeah, I was I, in a way diminishing him, but saying that what makes what him you diminishing him, you were shoving him down to the earth and burying him. No, I wasn't. What I was saying is, yeah, he said, right, right. Had he had he not been uh, the scion of 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 who of who he is, the son of Chachamavadia, he is in a way like a pale ghost that can keep the aspect of Chachamavadia around. And let me say it better. And he is so, he's so much the the Doyla Umashke of Chacham Avadia, that it's like we still have Chacham Avadia because basically everything he writes is pretty much, you know, reworking or based on, and and and, and his his classic Yalkut Yosef is really pretty much, you know, generations to come, I think are going to have to say that the book is almost authored by Chacham Avadia more than it is by his son. I, I don't think it's the same. No, no not? not the same at all. Not the same at all. Rav Neubert was a... More the, the later the edition, the more Rav Zalman is present. It was a much more symbiotic relationship. Rav Zalman, while he was alive, knew that he was, in a way, uh, the halachic engine that could insert itself into the elegant uh, Hebrew prose, although I don't know if it's so elegant, but the elegant Hebrew effective prose that Rav Neubert was a master at, and also the way Rav Neubert looked at things in, in a sort of a, a, a more systematic way. Uh, you know, I don't think if Rav Zalman would write a safer that he would necessarily organize things the way Rav Neubert did. Chocham Avadia was happy that his Torah was now being put into the Shulchan Aruch form. Almost in a way that it becomes part and parcel of the Shulchan Aruch. It almost becomes the Sephardi Shulchan Aruch. I, I am going to venture that in most Sephardi homes that there's more Yalkut Yosefs than there are Shulchan Aruchs. That is probably the safer that they will look to. That's where the hand is going to go. That's the Mishnah Brura 
of the Sephardic world. No, it's more like the Aruch <laughs> Yeah, great. Wave the flag, buddy. Here, here's the. Yeah, yeah, you have to put a plug in there for that. But my point is, is that I think that over and beyond, I would say the the sort of average aspect that I'm trying to uh, apply to Rabbi Yitzhak Yosef, although he clearly is is, is a tremendous masmid and a, and a, a, a wonderful cup and and a, a real oyev Hashem uh, and he's oyev beira and he's very very from so I'm not taking anything away from him as a human being he's definitely not his dad but I think over and above that we have the idea that the Sephardi masses enjoy having this icon of Chacham Avadia, and, and therefore, you know, it, it, it keeps on being promoted, and because there really isn't anyone to step in the breach. The same way we have with Breslov, and we have with uh, Lubavitch, it's like nothing can, we can't go beyond Chacham Avadia. all we're going to have now is more learning Chacham Avadia and more reissuings of Chacham Avadia's farm, and more Hamaka in the Torah of Chacham Avadia. and you can see that on the various internet sites as well, that are dedicated to him. And I think you agree with me that that isn't in itself a positive thing because that really that really limits, it, it, it doesn't streamline the Torah, it limits it and it gives it, it, it makes the horizons smaller. Despite the fact that Chokham Avadya wrote about almost everything, I, I think elevating him to that point, and especially by the Hamon, I, I think it's, it's not a recipe for exciting, continuing Where's the next Sephardi It's impossible to find him? Who is he? Tell me where's who he is. Next, wait, wait, where's the next Ashkenazi Rebel Yoshe? What's the difference? Without getting into Rebel Yoshe, who was not a writer of Chuvas, they had to, to, to do incredible work no, to create that. that. I'm saying, without the Chuvas, even without the Chuvas, you know, you have people like Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein, who also lives off the coattails of, um, uh, you know, Rebel Yoshe. And- we can do a whole show about Rebel Yitzhak. He was the cover uh, fellow on, on on the mega edition of Mishpoch, I believe, this this year, and uh, they wanted to talk about this this amazing type of new gadol that Reb Zilberstein is. That he is he is a combination playsake storyteller, yeah. uh, uh, you know, sort of fun very, very person, problematic, very problematic person. Okay. Well, why I don't you, hear, I don't hear uh, anything he wrote. I get disturbed by it. And, and it's, it's almost like you get the sense that the Chashukei Chemed is is a bunch of fun. Is really in a way phony Tyra, right? Yes, it's dilettantish. It's it's dilettantish, and it's also it, it's it's almost like it's like Chidude Bialma stuff. Yes, right. But but the make it sack, which is the which is the problem. It, it, it's Chidude Bialma, and so much stuff is Mipi Ashmua. You know, it's, it's, you know, I heard from Rebel Yosh of this. I heard from Rechaim Kanyevsky this. I mean, it's, it's great fodder to give a sheer out of. But I, I think Barilan does a disservice to its subscribers when, you know, you're searching for a topic and Chashukei Chemed comes up right with the Mincha Shloima and the Kavis Chuvas of Rebel Yoshev. So then, oh, here's what it says, Chashukei Chemed. And as we know, the type of Barilan Bikias ends up Inserting the Chashukei Chemed and the type of let's you know let's call it it's almost like muscle reshine of somebody who wants to like a second year base matter shred, you know? 
It's like it's like a second of base medrash rebbe and an eretz soldik yeshivo wants to get the guys excited about something. So you know that's sort of like a, a way to to start it. I don't have his uh, books at home, but any of them. But we should actually get a hold of some stuff and critique it, maybe. Yeah. Well, look, I know many people out there are, are already going to uh, the field that we, uh, the two of us, have now trampled. <laughs> on on everyone, even including the live Rabbi Silberstein. But I, I don't believe a cult of personality exists about Rabbi Yashif in the same way. It, there's always going to you know as well as I do, the smaller the person, the more the acolytes are going to grasp on to the personality, to the biographical aspect, to take everything they said literally, uh, to not move away. The more the person is intellectually powerful, the more they're able to think on their own, the more they're able to to understand things, the more they are real Talmidim of the, the departed person, the more independent they are, the more they're able to integrate, the more they're able to understand the greater respect that they have. When, when Rav Yoshebeer spoke about the fact that you know, he, he, he's, he's waiting, you know, when he gives his shear and he talked about how all the Rishayim show up, I mean, he, he isn't, you know, he, he's the one who's, who's he's, he's rolling up his sleeves and, and actually enjoying sparring with them. They're showing up and, you know, he really believes that, you know, although he's from a later generation, that he actually, you know, is, is, is frolicking with them, despite the fact that he's disagreeing right and left and, 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 and being critical while he's trying to come up with a shot uh, that will satisfy him. And, and I think whenever you have uh, a, a lack of intellectual discipline or hasmada, or even a lack of uh, of courage or confidence in your own ability to learn, you end up relying on the personality, and this is who I'm about, and you know I follow this person, and this is my hero, and uh, yeah, that's you know that's that that that's that's where I am. It's it's look, we all need to have something. Uh, it's it's unfortunate that I, I think it diminishes rather than expands them. And then when the secular uh, chevre hear about it, so, you know, uh, you, you, get, you, know, you get the idea that the G'dayla Yisrael are all these ayatollahs. As, we, as I started today, it is Arab Shabbos Kodesh. And if it's Arab Shabbos Kodesh, I must be at Abel's and Hyman. And it's been a long time since I've been able to extol, again, the quality of their products. Those of you that were Zoha during Pesach to have the top of the line kosher Pesach products from Abel's and Hyman that were across the board realized and went to the hotels and, and that we serviced and were able to provide incredible food for you uh, realized that Abel's stands alone in many ways as the number one quality purveyor of, of corned beef, pastrami, salami, servalot beef fry, a, a, a whole array of sausages and hot dogs that uh, are, are really uh, fantastic. They're out there in all the best stores, ready for you to uh, savor, to enjoy. It's a company that is very much like a family. It's a, and I'm very proud uh, to be part of it. It's a company that tries its best uh, to be above board in every single way and, and not sacrificing an iota for the quality of its product. 
So as we head into the spring and the warmer months, remember, there's nothing better on the grill than some of the A&H sausages and products, and nothing goes better on a fresh rye than the A&H strami and corned beef. We hope that you'll uh, take advantage of it. Well, that's about it, my friends. We will catch you again, hopefully, next Erev Shabbos Kedish with another exciting edition of Rizchod Arisa. Take care, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.